0: Hello, and welcome to the KC Disciples Regional Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Smith McKee. This is a podcast aimed at sharing what we have happening in the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, here in the greater Kansas City region. Good morning, and welcome to the KC Disciples Regional Podcast. Uh, First off, I have to start with an apology. The latest DMA, Disciples Ministry Association, gathering, it was supposed to be up here on this podcast, but due to the technical error of the iPad I recorded it on, just completely dying, I lost the recordings, and I'm not able to get it up here. My apologies to Yolanda Roseby. Uh, Honestly, it was a great presentation in person, and I'm hoping to have her back on the podcast to be able to share it with those of you listening. So, you'll hear the birds, you'll hear the cars, I'm walking to work this morning. Yes, I live six blocks away from the congregation that I serve, which means that I live in the community of where Fairview is planted. You know, all of our congregations were planted with that in mind. They were planted with serving the people around them. And I don't think your congregation or my congregation is an exception to that. With that in mind, today I'm bringing you a special interview with Laura Phillips, of Overland Park Christian Church. Laura has, uh, well Laura and Overland Park have seen some interesting ways of community gatherings coming about and I wanted to be able to share that with you all. So without further ado, here we go. Uh, what what would you say has, uh, how would you describe the last few months?
1: <laughs> um, I think the first thing I would say is it's just been a whirlwind. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we've uh, the the reason I asked to talk with you you have hosted at Overland Park four big events that have really brought the community together they've also been centered around uh, political actions now I don't want to say partisan actions yeah I think that's uh, pretty important as well um, a lot of a lot of churches kind of getting in trouble when they go into the partisan realm right. And, and I don't think that the things that you've hosted have necessarily gone into that partisan realm. They've been more of a political... And as far as, like, most things are political. Right. Um, there have been some immigrant and refugee uh, gatherings. There has been a town hall and, uh, and some stuff like that. Tell us, how did you get started hosting these events?
1: Well, so like you said, I... Um We haven't wanted to be partisan, and I think for the longest time, both myself as a pastor and a lot of churches in general have struggled to host any kind of event that could be perceived as partisan, and so I think prior to the 2016 election, I just was like, nope, I'm just going to stay away from anything related to that because I... Not that I don't want to get in trouble, but I don't want to trouble the waters within a congregation. Um, But post-election, it became quite clear that, like, the community and our congregation could become really divisive if we don't face issues that could be divisive, you know? So... That was part of the reason that I was like, nope, we're just going to start hosting these events, and we're going to talk about them, and we're going to be open and honest and have conversation, because that's what's going to build the community. If we ignore it, I think it becomes worse. The first event was directly after the election. I am one of the founding members of what used to be called Pantsuit Nation, Kansas City, and is now (laughs) Progressive Social Network, Kansas City. Uh, There are four women that started that group, myself and a friend of mine named Jordan, Started the what has become the biggest one. And then there were two other women that started Pantsuit Nation Kansas City type group. Um, but we found each other because the like two days after the election, I said, you know what? Let's get this Pantsuit Nation group together in Kansas City. Let's have coffee. And so I thought of the biggest coffee shop I knew of, which I felt like was Opera House. Like it has the most oh, seating. Yeah. And we scheduled this coffee or get together on Saturday after the election well 100 people signed up 200 people signed up oh my gosh <laughs> you know and then it was like oh my gosh these poor this poor coffee shop and so I, I mean it would
0: they would have made a little bit of money that day but it would have been crazy
1: right right and and without having confirmed with them or had any kind of uh, program or you know it was like oh no we can't do that so I like knowing that I have this space available to me and that the church also, is so underutilized throughout Mm -hmm. the week. You know, we meet there three or four times a week at most in that sanctuary. And so I was like, let's meet at my church. And I remember like typing that and I was like typing. And then I was like hitting enter, like not looking at the screen. Like we (laughs) could meet at my church. ah, Enter. Um, But But then I also knew I was like, okay. but I know that that could be perceived as partisan. And so we also made a plan that we were truly renting the space. And so we charged and um, we took up an offering for that rented time. But so that was the first one. And when I talked to our other pastor on staff and my board chair, the overwhelming conversation was maybe this is what church looks like in 2016 and 17. it doesn't have to be one left-leaning or right-leaning group, but that the church embraces community where it is in a different way than it has. And so that, that felt really empowering. And so as we moved forward, that was what gave me the confidence to offer our space to other groups or to other opportunities. So the next thing that came available was a More Squared event. More Squared being the Metropolitan Organization for Racial and Economic Equity. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: like there's a website you can look that up yes, at, right? <laughs> yes, yes,
1: more2.org. <laughs> okay. Um we are a congregation member of More Squared and they do a lot of really amazing work. And so since we are a congregation member, I felt like that was something that was Um, you know, like our congregation has voted to be a member of this group. Mm -hmm. And so that felt a lot better when I was offering our space.
0: Now, this one was, uh, kind of an informative session about immigration. Mm -hmm. And this happened in the early part of January.
1: Yes, it happened January 12th. And so it was before the inauguration and before any executive orders about immigration and refugees had come out, but there was still so much rhetoric about it. Yeah. So Moore Squared has been working over the last several years to uh, create welcoming communities all around the city. And so they've worked with congregations and city officials to have welcoming proclamations in different cities, mm. municipalities, and counties. So like Johnson County and Overland Park are both welcoming communities that they've um, Developed a welcoming proclamation to say immigrants make our lives better. They are not the enemy And so even though There are a lot of really complex issues around immigration the fact that we can say As a community that yes immigrants make our lives better um, It you know that that felt like another good place to Offer our space for our community that has said that so Moore Squared invited several elected officials to come speak oh, wow. about immigration and to ask them pointed questions about immigration. And so we invited Sheriff Don Ash from Wyandotte County. We invited the police chief from Wyandotte. We invited the mayor from Olathe. We invited people from Overland Park, but it's just a matter of relationship and like, you know, knowing yeah. that you can get that person there. Um the school board director of Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools, the superintendent, sorry, um, she was there. You know, so there was all of these people that have been elected on the Kansas side, and we asked them really pointed questions. And one of them was a good example is the Kansas City, Kansas Public School District to say, can you commit to saying that school is a place for children that they can feel safe? And so regardless of their family status, a school is not a place for that to be worked out. So can you commit that you're not going to let ICE agents into your school? And she said yes. Oh, wow. And now Kansas City, Missouri public schools have said the same thing. Yeah. You know, they're not ignoring that immigration is a complex issue and that there are people that have broken the law and that need to respond to that. But they are saying that public school is not a place for that that drama to work out
0: so the people who came to that event were they um mostly people already affiliated with more squared or was this something that you saw more of the broader community at?
1: it was probably about 50 50 um there are nine member congregations of more squared that are on the side of kansas the remaining 20 are on the side of the missouri side of the state line Um, So of those nine member congregations, I would say they brought about 75 to 100 people. But then we had about 100 people that were not affiliated with More Squared necessarily, but had heard about our church because we hosted this Progressive Social Network event back in November. And so that was just utilizing some of our own connections. Me personally, just sharing stuff on Facebook and saying this is a really good informative session. If you're interested in how the issue of immigration is affecting your city, come and find out. Because I think a lot of people assume that Johnson County in particular is not affected by it.
0: (laughs) No, they, I mean, you know, I I will say this, Cassie and I lived there for a a few months and yeah, it wasn't something that I expected. I expected it in more of the direct urban core, not -hmm. necessarily in the suburbs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, the other thing that people forget is that places like Garmin and Cerner are in Johnson County, mm-hmm. and, you know, when people hear the word immigration, I think immediately they think of undocumented or illegal immigration, that people are affected in that regard. Well, that's not entirely the case. The number of people in Johnson County that are affected by immigration laws is numerous because there's so many different um, institutions that hire people that don't have u s citizenship. you know, and so immigration issues are very complex and wide reaching.
0: So. yeah. So you had another one that was in response to one of the executive orders. Uh, that one i I saw it on the news. yeah, <laughs> not um, you know, I saw pictures from that, and that one was pretty big
1: yes yes so fast forward a couple weeks and one of the first things that our president did was to sign an executive order banning muslims from i think eight countries eight specific um, highly muslim countries so because i've been involved with all of these other kind of issues and been more public about my own opinions and that kind of thing. I've just come to know a lot of different people. So our church in particular, though, um, even before the election, even before November, had been engaged with a group called Casey for Refugees, and we have helped to settle A number of refugee families that have received refugee status and have you know been welcomed into the country by by going through all the you know highly vetting that even our president would like to see happen Uh, we've raised money and purchased five different computers for these families so I knew that our church was really engaged in this kind of work on their own and then one of the great things is that that has been entirely Uh, uh, Congregant driven Like the pastors have not driven that And so that's been really empowering Anyway so after that that Executive order came out I got included On a Facebook message of a group Of people around the city that were like we need to Do something we need to respond We have a city full of immigrants and refugees And we can't we can't let them feel like they are left out of Mm -hmm. the city. And so I said, I'm pretty sure that our church would be willing to offer that. Let me call my senior pastor. Let me call my board chair and just double check. And again, it was met with an overwhelming response that yes, we would like to offer this, but that one was less partisan. And so it felt like we could offer that space. And so there was no charge for that or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I actually was out of the country when that happened.
0: (laughs) <laughs>
1: so, um, I was like using every ounce of wifi that I could grab, grab in an airport and at the hotel and, um, try. you were,
0: you were down in Nicaragua?
1: Yeah, I was in yeah. Nicaragua on a mission trip with First Christian of Smithville. Oh, wow. Um, but I was also bound to determine, like, we as a congregation want to make this statement. I knew that those congregants that had been working on refugee settling and welcoming um, had been doing it kind of quietly. And I felt like this was an opportunity for them to say, no, we are a welcoming place. You know, we understand that it's a very complex issue, but we observe that call of God, that call in the scriptures to, to welcome the other, to welcome the neighbor. And so... Um, So I actually did not work on the programming itself, but I did a lot of the logistics work and um, connected them with all of the volunteers at the church that would be actually present.
0: (laughs) And that one, so, I mean, nationally, you would see protests happening at airports in response to that. I had a friend who was in Dallas, you know, welcoming people who were coming in um, and and saying, you are welcome here to, to folks who were flying in that day. You know, Kansas City is not a major international hub, so you can't necessarily do that. But I think what really stood out to me about this particular event is that it really was like, no, you are welcome. The people who are hearing all this rhetoric, who are hearing all this, you know, stuff that they need to be afraid of. No, you're welcome here. We we embrace you. Mm -hmm. And that um, that's a really big change. And, and it's important to be able to say. So the fact that it was a band that really reflected Muslim countries, yet a Christian church is hosting it, they see, you know, folks from many different faiths coming together in, in that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, the organizers worked really hard to get speakers from a variety of denominations and and faith backgrounds. And so... I think there was like two Muslim speakers, one Christian, one Jewish. Bill Roseheim, I think he spoke. Oh, Um, so, uh, and we actually had such a large turnout that we ended up having to split the whole group into two. So we had like about 1,200, 1,300 people that came to this event. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And our church sanctuary only seats, like fire code is 500. Yeah. And so, and we're also across the street from the fire department. So (laughs) we were like, oh my gosh. Uh, But so what we ended up doing was splitting into two. And so we had one group in our fellowship hall and one group in our sanctuary. And we had four speakers at each place. And then uh, we had They organized for some spoken word artists And somebody that was like playing I think the violin And so a couple of oh, artists wow. So they had each Like four people speak at each place And then the, the artists played or spoke For like 10 minutes 15 minutes while they switched rooms mm. And so then everyone got to go to the other room And hear those other four speakers Oh good deal So we had eight speakers all together. And then we all went out onto the front lawn because the other nice thing is that we are... Pretty centrally located and on a major thoroughfare we're on yeah. 75th street in Overland Park and so we wanted to do it on our front lawn and so that's where we had candles and did um, the the really unifying lifting up a candle vigil part of it Oh wow! Um, and so that to have 1200 people on our front lawn making a statement to Overland Park as a community and to Kansas City and saying you know you are welcome here you know um, mm. and to speak to your question about, you know, are there different faith communities that were represented? One of the most powerful images that we have of that event, to me at least, is that we have a group of Muslims that it it was time for prayers towards the end of that vigil. And so they prayed to Mecca on our front lawn. Oh, wow. At, like, it was towards the end of the event. Yeah. and Yeah. So, um, people were kind of scattering and and leaving anyway. But so it it was nice because it didn't feel like they were a spectacle, but at the same time they felt comfortable enough Mm. on the lawn of this Christian church to, to kneel down and pray. Yeah. And so that, that was probably the most powerful thing for me.
0: So the, uh, the community that gathered the, the people who have have been coming to these, are these people who are looking for conversation, who are looking for a place to, learn and express ideas?
1: I think so. Um, I've actually had a number of people that I've come become connected with since November that have told me that they've spent more time in churches in the last three months than they have in their last 30 years of their life. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, they, um, so they aren't necessarily looking for religious conversation, but they're looking for conversation. And then the people in our congregation are looking for conversation. You know, they're looking for their, their faith to be, relevant and they're looking for their faith to help them respond to these conversations that they see happening on the news and on Facebook. Yeah, they're coming together and the community is feeling like the church building itself is a safe place to have these conversations and that, um, our goal is not proselytizing, but our goal is to build a stronger community and so, um, so yeah, people are really looking for that engagement, but for a variety of reasons, not necessarily hmm. just from a faith background.
0: Yeah, those first three events that we talked about really seem to be a lot more, like just unifying and getting the community together. The last one that you've had, I was pretty struck by it. That oh, that's happening here. Uh, it was a town hall meeting. Yeah, it's always ironic when politicians are running for the people. Yet during their break, don't come back and talk to the people. Yeah. <laughs> there were a few empty chairs up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were also some filled chairs, too. I don't want mm-hmm. that to, to sound like this was a, a puppet show or anything. The politicians were invited to speak at a town hall, and especially Johnson County is uh, the most populous county in Kansas. So, you know, here is a chance to really get to talk with people in, in, who are their constituents. Tell, tell me about that event.
1: So that event was hosted by a group called Indivisible KC, and people knew of our church and knew my name um, just from those other three events. So someone from Indivisible KC contacted me and said, you know, can would you have a big enough space? And I said, yeah, um, we charge one to two dollars per head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not a moneymaker for us, but at the same time, we We don't want to appear partisan. And so if you would like to rent space from us, you know, that's that's how that works. Um, But so they were very open to that. And so they, again, took a a small donation from people. Um, But they they really wanted to open this town hall and say, you know, you don't have to do the work to these politicians. You don't have to do the work. We have provided a program. We've provided a place. We've done all the advertising. All you have to do is show up. Um, And if you want to have your own programming we're open to that too um but indivisible kc their their main goal is to hold politicians accountable and they are not holding any particular politician accountable in the sense that they they are not only holding republican or only holding democratic politicians accountable Mm -hmm. um It seems that way because in the Johnson County area, like, the the politicians we invited were three Republicans and one Democrat.
0: Yeah, I was going to say they're mostly Republican in in Kansas. and. Almost that way in Missouri now.
1: Right. So none of the the national politicians that were on break showed up. Yeah. Uh, We had response from all the state politicians that served that area that they were coming. But then there was something that went on in Topeka. I can't remember specifically what it was. Mm. But that kept them from physically being there. But they ended up Skyping in with us because it was so important to them to speak to their constituents. Uh, So, yeah. So the... The indivisible KC folks want to hold people accountable and put them in their room with their constituents and allow them to ask questions because their constituents are the ones that elected them and they're the ones that um, will or will not elect them again. <laughs> so um, well, and
0: I think it makes a difference because this is you know talking to constituents, talking to people that you are actively serving, whereas you all didn't you didn't host a. Uh, an election party or something right. like that. You know, you didn't you didn't host a, a rally or anything like that. This was really just giving a chance for the the constituents to talk, the politicians to respond.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And that that's part of what our board chair and our senior pastor and I have talked about at great length now is that being the church in 2017 does not mean shying away from politics because we're too scared about what Threat might come from the government to say you've been too partisan, um, because we haven't been partisan. We've been engaging people to talk about politics. What makes it partisan is that there's a certain party in power or or not in power. And so, you know, what's partisan this year looks differently partisan next year and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But but our goal is to not be partisan. Our goal is to just allow the community to engage in their lives in different ways. And that means in faithful ways. And that means in secular ways, uh, for the church to be a part of the community means that we have to, to face some of these difficult conversations.
0: Well, I I think, uh, the church, the church used to fill a role Mm -hmm. of being a gathering place. Mm -hmm. It used to fill a role of, of being a place that people gathered to talk about tough issues. Mm Um, and it, you know, through other influences, we have stopped being that. But there hasn't really been anything that's taken that place. Right. Um, Facebook is not <laughs> Facebook is not a gathering place necessarily, right. uh, or or really, it just doesn't replace face to face. You know, talking to people and and hearing from multiple perspectives. I think there's something really interesting going on in these gatherings that you're having. And it's that you're allowing space for uh, gathering. It's, it's really that you're setting the stage for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you aren't the ones calling up and saying, hey, can we have so-and-so politician? Can we have, you know, this this sort of thing going on? But realistically, you're seeing a need for community and a need for gathering mm-hmm. and being able to respond and say, yeah, we're set up to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because like I said before, you know, our sanctuaries in particular are so underutilized throughout the week. Our congregation went through a visioning process about four years ago. And one of the things that they really saw themselves as is this like community center. Now, they don't have the the person power to like actually have staff at our church 24-7 to be this place of community gathering mm-hmm. with Programming necessarily, but that has propelled us to be more open to different ways of sharing our building. And so we rent our building for nominal fee. It's not about the money. It's about being a central place, a uh, community center, and you know even the Matt Ross Community Center that's right down the street from us. They charge, and it's just so that we can be in the community and maintain our building. Yeah, uh, but. So back to the, the visioning process, they wanted to be a central place for the community to gather for a variety of reasons. And so we gather for Food Pantry, and that's something that we're more involved with. But the Daughters of the American Revolution and Beta Sigma Pi and all these other groups meet throughout at our building throughout the week as well. We have an aerobics group and we have... <laughs> um, you know any number of, of organizations, the Johnson County Amateur Radio Club. <laughs>
0: we we've, oh we've got be, we've got an aquarium club here at Fairview. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: I mean, so you know, churches have been doing that kind of stuff for a long time, mm-hmm. and that little stuff and things that they feel like aren't controversial. Like, who's going to argue with like the aquarium club? Like, no <laughs> one. Um, but you know we need to allow some of these difficult, difficult conversations to happen in our, our places of worship Mm -hmm. and not because they're necessarily faithful conversations in terms of being about one religion, but they're sacred conversations because they're about what it means to be in relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's a really sacred thing. And so
0: Well, and the the act of gathering gives you a place of connection. And I think that that's a deficiency many of our churches have had. They just haven't had the connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we look at our congregations, uh, many of which were planted with an intent that this is going to, you know, we weren't just given some plot of land. No, we were planted to be involved in neighborhoods, Uh, you know, Overland Park. You all, uh, there's a pool across the street next to the fire station, but everywhere else around there is houses and houses and houses. Yeah. Uh, So my own personal curiosity, does uh, you and, and your husband live not that far from the church? Yeah. Does that make a difference to how you create community in Overland Park?
1: I think it does. I mean, we were really intentional when we were buying our house that we wanted to live close to the church because we wanted to be involved with the community. Um, I'll, a perfect example is that our church has been involved with More Squared since I started this position. Mm-hmm. But the first two years that I was working at Overland Park, I lived in Missouri. And so I was constantly like feeling like tugged and pulled at because I didn't know where I need to focus my energies. I live in one state and one county, but I serve the people and the community in this other state and county. And so um, it was really intentional that when we moved and got married and moved in and bought a house that we wanted to be a part of the community and wanted to be um, available to the community in ways Mm -hmm. that kind of bring back you know like it used to be like everyone knew who the pastor was even if you didn't know even if you didn't go to that church it was like oh that pastor because they're Mm -hmm. so a part of the community and it's not about recognition but it's that I serve a community that yes is the worshiping community that comes to um to worship on Sunday mornings but I also serve a community because I am in that physical place so
0: yeah and and you don't necessarily have to say Oh yes, that is that pastor or something. No, it's availability, it's connection, you know, and, and maybe that's some of the stuff you all were calling for in, in like the town hall, you know, availability and connection. Yeah. Um, so uh, if another church is interested in being able to open up their space or or something like that, what are some suggestions that you have for them?
1: Well, I think one of the first things is um, make sure that your leadership is comfortable with it. Um, our, because we went through the visioning process about four years ago, it helped to know that I had support and that I wouldn't receive question. And it's not that I don't, not that I'm afraid of people questioning my motives or questioning my actions, but you know, I, I wouldn't be fighting those conversations against offering space to the community. You all
0: have a, a congregational idea. Yes. Yeah. We want to be a part of the community. This is gathering community.
1: Right, right. Um, the other thing is that we are open to all parts of the community. You know, um, we're not open to just one political side of the community. But we're also not open to just one social side of the community. You know, making sure that offering your space and offering space for difficult conversations is offering space to anyone who is willing to come to the church and be a part of that that event. And so that's been really important that no matter what group is coming, you know, it's not to say that every group that comes, we open our space to, but at the same time, we are very open because we recognize that the family of God is, is made up of more than one political party and more than one (laughs) political ideology and, and a lot of personalities. And so,
0: well, and the, the idea of the disciples, you know, disciples have been saying for a long time, we're a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. Um you know, when when we started saying in a fragmented world, I was like, yeah, we are kind of no, we're a fragmented yeah. world now. So living yeah. out that idea of being a movement for wholeness in, in these sort of ways is is really admirable and it's something that I think um, the more we develop connections, the more we develop community in the places that we live in the congregations that we serve in the communities that they're a part of, we we are offering up something that, you know that is not out there we're offering up a place for communication we're offering up a place for um you know for gathering Mm -hmm. and uh so i think that's been really good and uh thank you for sharing on that so yeah definitely well uh thank you for your time do appreciate you coming out here you know you had to make a trip back up to missouri to come (laughs) up and and do this but
1: but i got good coffee and good conversation there
0: you go well (laughs) thank you again and uh we'll talk to you next time